Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It is indeed time for another Fizz Radio. Another Saturday morning in Syracuse, and we've got you till 10 a.m. Tim Leonard here with you. Thanks for listening, as always, whether it is through the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify by searching Orange Fizz. You can find all our Fizzcasts, all our Fizz radios, uninterrupted, commercial-free versions. We really appreciate those that have been listening throughout the summer. We've been trying to crank them out throughout the summer here at Orange Fizz, and whether it's just been you listening for a couple episodes here and there or all of them, we greatly appreciate it. This week, got to dive into Syracuse basketball. First time we've done that in a little bit, but this Italy trip is front and center with Syracuse news, and it's really exciting that this team is making the Italy trip. Now, this only happens once every four or five years that a school gets to take an overseas trip. might remember Duke did it last year, and that was all over ESPN and everything. A little different when Syracuse goes on the trip, of course, but... Why I say this team is because it's such a young team with so many question marks, and it's really cool that we get to sort of see a behind-the-curtain look at how they're developing. We get to see where Jim Boeheim thinks his starting five is right now, who he likes to come off the bench, who are some players that are progressing, especially that freshman class, five freshmen. Now, unfortunately, John Bolajac could not make the trip, did not get his visa passed in time so he can't make the trip over to Italy Mark Dolajai is hurt but you've still got 10 rotation guys on this Syracuse team and for those that haven't been following Syracuse has looked pretty good so far they've had a lot of depth they played these 10 guys and everyone's sharing the ball pretty well you've had a standout performance in game one from Elijah Hughes and a standout performance in game two from Buddy Bayheim. So about what you'd expect. Those are the two leading scorers when you break down the stats. We're going to get to all the stats, who's played minutes-wise, what the starting five was, break down sort of what that means going forward because November's coming up, Virginia's coming up, and this is a team, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago on orangefizz.net, what will the Syracuse starting five be? That's still a question mark. We're going to dive into that in the second segment of this show, break down the possibilities now We kind of got a hint at it this week because the starting five was sort of what I expected. Now, obviously, no Marek Dolajai with an injury, but Jalen Carey started at the point guard. You had Buddy Beheim, Elijah Hughes back there, and then Quincy Garrier and Barama Sidibe rounding it out. Now, Barama Sidibe looked really good, and that's one of my three main takeaways from this Italy trip so far. Recording this on Friday morning, there's been two games so far. So we'll give you all the stats of those two games, break down what it means, and then we'll get to some football a little bit later on in the program. And, of course, we'll get your voices heard at the end, wrap things up with Fizz Feedback, as we always do here on Fizz Radio. All right, so here are the stats from the first two games in Italy. Ten players played. No Marek Dolajai, no Jean Bolajac. So we know... This is probably a good chunk of the rotation. Dolajai will definitely be in the rotation. Whether he'll be a starter, not looking as likely, I'd say, based on his injury and a couple things that Jim said this week. We'll get to that. But 10 guys play. At the point guard position, 
Jalen Carey gets a bulk of the minutes. He gets 15 minutes in game one, 14 minutes in game two. Howard Washington gets some run, and that's big. Let's not forget about how far Howard Washington has come. Donna DeTota did a great job tweeting this out, the Syracuse basketball, Syracuse.com writer. She's been over there with the team. If you haven't been following her, must follow this week with all her sort of tidbits on what they're eating over there, some videos behind the scenes, and obviously keeping you up to date with those games as they're going on at 1 o'clock on weekdays, which is tough to watch. So she's been great. Follow her on Twitter if you haven't already. But she she really praised how Howard Washington, it's, it's a big deal that he's just playing basketball right now. We can't overlook that. This is a guy that has come a long way from the stroke, and it's really, really awesome to see. He gets seven minutes in game one, 16 minutes, a lot more in game two. Syracuse blew out their game two opponent and a much different, much more inferior competition, but they looked better in game two. That was part of the reason why they blew him out. Bryson Goodine looks really good in these first two games. He may have gone under the radar as a freshman, a guy that's kind of a combo guard. He gets 19 minutes in both games. That's pretty solid time here for a 10-man rotation. And when we keep going down the list, keep in mind these freshman minutes. Goodine, 19 minutes in both games. Joe Girard, 16 minutes in game one, 17 minutes in game two. So right around what Kadeen's getting, a little bit less. Gerard had 16 points in the two games combined. Now, points aren't everything, but if we're just going to base it off that, Kadeen, 20 points in the two games combined. So those are two freshmen that it's really great that they get an opportunity to just put up some shots in a Syracuse uniform, play with their teammates, learn the offense in-game action, It's going to be a learning curve this year with the Syracuse team. It's a pretty tough non-conference schedule, and you've got a lot of freshmen that are going to need to contribute right away. Gadeen and Gerard could be two of them, and they look pretty good. The other big freshman from this trip, Quincy Garrier, 31 minutes in Game 1. Starter in Game 1, he plays 31 minutes, and then in Game 2, he plays another 22 minutes. He finishes with 19 points combined. So out of the freshmen... You've got Gadeen, 20 points in the two games. Gerard, 16 points in the two games. And then 19 points combined from Quincy Garrier, who I thought was very impressive. Very physical. Probably has to gain a little bit of weight, but a guy that can get to his own spot, get to his own shot, and it's refreshing to see because Syracuse is going to need that this year. Yes, you have Elijah Hughes. Yes, you have Buddy Bayham that can shoot the three, but you need playmakers, and Garrier has the potential, I think, to start right away. And I think we're sort of finding this out more and more. A guy from Canada that maybe went a little under the radar. But the hype is definitely building around him. I'd be surprised if he doesn't start in that first game and be a key contributor this year for Syracuse. We'll find out more. We'll break it down more in the next segment when we go over what this starting lineup could be game one. The other freshman, Jesse Edwards is the other freshman here. 17 minutes game one for him, the center. 14 minutes game two. He might be the biggest question mark of all. He didn't really fill it up or anything, six points, and he looks a little out of shape right now, and Beheim even talked about this. He just hasn't been playing much, so that's why. So this is a tough moment for him to come over to Italy and try and get into game shape while also trying to contribute for the team, but you can see the potential there with Edwards. He caught some alley-oops. He was active on the defensive end. He's got to learn how to play that back half of the zone a little bit, but you can definitely see that there is some potential there 
with Jesse Edwards, and there's a lot of potential there with this freshman class, a class that doesn't have a headliner per se. Maybe you'd say that's Joe Girard, but based on rankings, he's not a headliner. And all these guys contributed, all of them playing right around 15, 20 minutes a game in these two games. Now, it doesn't mean everything. It's not going to be the exact rotation, obviously, for game one against Virginia. You'd have to imagine Beheim will shrink this down a lot until that point. We're talking about 10 guys right now, plus Dolajai, that's 11. Dolajak, who knows where he fits in, but that would make 12. I don't see him playing 11 or 12 in the first game against Virginia. I do think some of these freshmen are going to have to contribute, though, and they look pretty good. Those are kind of the numbers for the freshmen. Other stats that stood out, total points combined for the two games. You've got Elijah Hughes in second place on the team with 25 points. 18 points game one. He got into foul trouble game two, played just 16 minutes compared to 36 minutes in game one. Buddy Beheim leads the team in points. 33 points combined, 22 points in the second game. He kind of caught fire from three in a stretch at the end of the first half, carrying over to the start of the second half in that game, a blowout win for Syracuse. So Bayheim and Hughes leading the way, as expected. Braswell looks really good. There's just so many guys to talk about on this team. You can't stop. Braswell looked really good in the second game, especially. He played 26 minutes in the second game after 12 minutes in the first game. He filled up 11 points total over the course of the two games. But just looking at that second game in particular, he showed a lot on the defensive end. An athletic guy that I think could really be a piece that people are forgetting about this year. Braswell, Gooden, those are two under-the-radar guys. And I think Gary is starting to get the love that he kind of deserves now. But the three main takeaways for me from these first two games, let's kind of synthesize this all down. Three takeaways, if you had to pick three right now, you can kind of think of your own as I go through mine. Quincy Garrier is ready to start. That's takeaway number one for me. Start him game one. This is someone who, when we had Wes Brown, a Canadian scout, a Canadian prospects guy, he has the number one Canadian basketball recruiting prospects website in the country. We had him on this program, and I asked him, If Quincy Garrier was not from Canada and ESPN was evaluating him, where would he fit in the ESPN 100? He's not ranked, obviously, because he's from Canada in that. We knew that he was a top 50, top 75 guy on 247sports.com in this cycle, accounting for everyone, including Canada guys. So I asked Wes Brown, where would he fit in that ESPN 100 that we all love to look at? He said he would be a top 30 guy. If you missed that interview, he has a lot of good stuff to say about Quincy Garrier. You can go back and listen to it. It's on all our podcast apps. Just search Orange Fizz, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Find that interview with Wes Brown because he really hyped up Garrier, a guy that he has seen a lot, a guy that he's followed a lot. He's his top NBA prospect in terms of Canada players in that class. That's Quincy Garrier. He's a guy that he thinks he could go one and done. I think he could, too. Based on what we've seen in these two games, based on what we've heard about him in practice, based on what you can find out there about his high school stuff, just talking to scouts, talking to prospect guys like Wes Brown, this is someone that I think is going under the radar and starting to get the buzz that he deserves. But Garrier should start week one, and he should make an impact for this team, and I think he can fill it up. He can get to his own shot. He can be a playmaker that this team needs. Takeaway number two. Barama Sidibe looked really healthy. 
And it's really good to see, especially in that first game. He came out, he was grabbing rebounds, he was blocking shots, he was active. He looked like a new man, a change man. And that's something we've been waiting for. Because let's face it, Sidibe, you could just tell his knee was not right. He showed flashes his freshman year in that Pittsburgh game, and we know he has talent. We know he has some post moves in there, but he displayed them. Now, against inferior competition in Italy, doesn't mean a whole lot, but you could tell just the way he was running up and down the court was like never before, and now you just hope that it stays that way. That's takeaway number two for me. Barama Sidibe looking really, really healthy, which is great to see, and I think he could start if he's healthy. You want to get a big body in there. Another reason why he might start is because of takeaway number three, which is what Jim Beheim said after game one, something Donna DeToto reported. He said... Marek is not going to play much of the five this year at all. Marek Dolja, a guy that's hurt right now, obviously played some of the five last year, even started a couple games of the five. And for some reason, Jim has made that stance early on here in August that Marek Dolja is not going to play much of the five. To me, that might even be the biggest takeaway of all this because that's something that we can file away. And that's a prediction that the head coach is making about what lineups he's going to throw out. So that's something to monitor. I don't really know if they're going to make it the whole season without playing him a little bit at the five. You need Jesse Edwards to progress a lot, and he looked all right, but he's a little out of shape right now, so it's hard to really evaluate. You need him to progress a lot in the back half of that zone, and you need Sidibe to stay healthy if that's the case. Because center is a little depleted. I know I'm glossing over John Bolajac, but... I don't know if he's quite there with how many players are on this roster right now, how many players fighting for playing time. He feels like he may redshirt. We'll see. I think he's got potential, definitely, but it feels like he will redshirt. So so if Marek is not going to play at the five at all, makes it interesting when you evaluate what the starting lineup will be for Syracuse. We know what the starting lineup was this week. It was Jalen Carey at the point guard. He played all right, kind of glossed over him. 13 points combined in the two games. Maybe like to see him scoring a little bit more, but he played all right. Jalen Carey was the point guard, Buddy Bayheim, Elijah Hughes, Quincy Garrier, and then Barama Sidibe at the five. That was the starting five for the first two games of this Italy trip without Dolajai healthy. What will be the starting five game one against Virginia? What will be the starting five when ACC play starts? Let's dive into that next. It's Fizz Radio. All right, we welcome you back on Fizz Radio, segment two of four here of the program. Recapping Syracuse basketball in Italy. We'll get to some football later on. But right now, let's dive into some more takeaways from this Italy trip. Two games down as of recording this. The starting five in this two games so far, and we had no idea what it was going to be. But Jim throws out the same starting five for the first two games, at least. Jalen Carey's been the point guard. Buddy Bayheim, Elijah Hughes, two guys we expected to start are in there. Quincy Garrier, the freshman playing in the starting five. And then Barama Sidibe is your five right now at the center position. So that is the starting five for the first two games. Carey, Bayheim, Hughes, Garrier, Sidibe. Now, I wrote an article over at orangefizz.net a couple weeks ago, maybe a little less than a couple weeks ago now. And there were so many options for the starting five. Keep in mind, Marek Dolajai was in a lot of my hypothetical starting fives. He's not healthy right now. Hand injury, he's not playing at all over at Italy. So he's not in the starting five because of that. 
But the question is, would he have been in the starting five? Because Beheim straight up told Donna DeToto this week, as we talked about in the last segment, he's not going to play much at the five at all this year. So when I hear that, it makes me feel this is a pretty good bet to be your starting five, game one at least, against Virginia. This starting five that Beheim has trotted out over at Italy, when you got Garrier and Sidibe making up the front court, Carey, Beheim, Hughes making up kind of the backcourt portion of it. To me, this gives us a lot of clarity. Because if Beheim is straight up telling us, Dolajai is not going to play the five much at all, and we'll file that away and keep that in mind. He said stuff like that in the past, and he's gone away from it. I don't know. We'll see. But if that is the plan right now, if he's not starting at the five, that kind of leaves two options for the center position. Barama Sidibe and Jesse Edwards at the five. Now, Edwards feels like his development is just a little too far behind to start him game one. I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't think it's really fair to critique his play this week. He's a little out of shape just getting back into it. But Sidibe looked really healthy, on the other hand, and he's been there. He's done that. He started games at the five. You don't really want to start two freshmen in the front court against Virginia game one. And if Garrier is going to start, which I think he will and they should start him, you're going to start two freshmen if you opt for Edwards. If it's not Dolajai, it's Edwards versus Sidibe right now for that five position. And Sidibe got the start in these two games. He played really well. He's a veteran. He's been there. I think they go with Sidibe. So with him at the five, and we learned this week that Garrier, who's already in the starting lineup, and looked really good and played about the third most minutes on the team. He played 31 minutes in this first game down in Italy, and he's physical. He's seemed to be a mature scorer that's ready to contribute right away. Like I said in the last segment, they should probably start him, and they probably will. So now it becomes really, to me, the only question mark game one is maybe point guard. I know some people have talked about Beheim maybe coming off the bench as a sixth man. I don't buy that. I think they need him to start. They need his production offensively. This is the guy that led them in scoring in the first two games here in Italy. 33 points combined in those two games. 22 points in game two. Yes, it's against inferior competition. But still, you need his three-point shooting. You need his production. So you probably are going to have him as a lock to start. And I'd say Hughes is a ultra lock to start. So it leaves just Carey versus Washington versus Gadeen maybe at the point guard position. Maybe you want to throw in Gerard. But to me, this starting five that we saw in Italy will start game one against Virginia. So the next question becomes, who will start in ACC play? What are your options? What do we see kind of transpiring? Because there will be changes. You'd expect this team to evolve. It's such a young team, a lot of question marks. So... What could be some of those changes that go into effect, some of those things that we figure out in non-conference play, pretty tough non-conference schedule for this young team, and then we say, okay, let's start that guy. Let's move him into the starting lineup if you're Jim Beheim. So here are your six bench pieces, including Dolajai, if we're going off that being the starting five that could – make a play to get into the starting lineup. I think all six of them have a chance. It's crazy. Howard Washington at point guard has potential, I think. Bryson Goodine, also a guard. Joe Girard, a guard. That's three of the six. 
And then these are really the likely candidates for me. Robert Braswell, who looked really good in Italy and has looked good so far. You've got him as an option that could catapult himself into the starting lineup. Braswell's an option. Jesse Edwards is a very significant option, I'd say, just based on the growth that he could display, the potential he has in his game. If he starts making some jump shots, we definitely see it there, and there's a lot of buzz within the program about him, that late addition of the freshman class that's probably the biggest question mark right now. We found some answers over at Italy, but not a ton, and I think you can just see the potential with him, so there's a reason to believe he could jump into the starting lineup. The other guy is Dolajai, of course. So that's your six bench pieces. Dolajak makes seven if you want to count him. It feels to me like Robert Braswell might find his way into a starting lineup come ACC play. Now it's crowded there with Garrier and Hughes. So that's the tough part. How does he find himself in the starting lineup? But it just feels like he is on the precipice of maybe being that guy that we're kind of forgetting about. Now, the other candidate to me that has a very good shot, Goodine. Because of what we saw over at Italy. 19 minutes in both games, 20 points in the two games combined. So this is a guy that's coming off the bench and averaging 10 points in these two exhibition games. We'll see how he does the rest of this Italy trip. But Goodine could make his way into the starting lineup as well. Edwards could take over Sidibe if the healthiness of Sidibe is not quite 100% and he starts to grow. I would guess right now, if I had to pick the starting lineup for ACC play, here's the five I'd say right now. Same first four. Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim, Elijah Hughes, Quincy Garrier. I think Garrier is going to really wow some people. Carey, I'm a little worried about, and I think there's more competition there than people might realize with Gadeen. And Gerard playing well, nipping at his heels a little bit. Washington's in the conversation. But the thing with Carey is he pushes the tempo very well. He always has his head up. And he's a good passer. So in terms of point guard, he kind of fits the bill more than a Gadeen or a Gerard. And they're just freshmen. Where you got Carey, who's a sophomore. He's played in some big games like the Georgetown game last year. I think he has just as much talent, probably more talent than those two. And... We can't just go off these Italy games. I mean, he hasn't put up the numbers maybe you'd like to see, but he's shown good things as the point guard, as the distributor. So I like Kerry to start ACC play. The big difference, and the only difference I see, is Dolojai starting at the five. I know that completely disregards what Beheim told us this week. But I don't know. I just think you got to throw out your best five guys. And Dolajai started at the five last year. Why wouldn't he start it? It baffles me. Why wouldn't he start at the five a little bit this year? Why wouldn't he play the five some this year? Sidibe, yes, he looks healthy right now. Yes, his offensive game seems to be rounding into form. He gives you more size. He gives you more rebound ability. But Dolajai has length, too. He's got enough length in my eyes to play the five. He can cover some ground in the back half of the zone. And more importantly... He gives you more versatility on offense. He can stretch the floor. He can shoot it. He can hit that little floater. And he's getting better in his interior scoring, at his interior scoring. So the question with Dolajai, though, if you do start him at the 5 ACC play, how do you fare against a good, strong ACC team like maybe a Carolina or a Duke that has a big-bodied center? 
And that is scary. You can't deny that because Dolajai's skinny as we know. It's the zone, so it's not entirely one-on-one. And they've done a little bit in the past, and it's worked out. Remember, Tyler Lydon is kind of a similar body type, a little bit bigger and a little bit taller, so it's a little different. But he fit in really well at that five position. I'm surprised that Jim said that this week. I still think Dolajai finds his way into the starting lineup. I think he's a guy that, yes, makes a lot of sense as a sixth man. And I said that earlier, but I don't know. Long term, I think he's your crunch time guy. I think he's in the starting lineup. But there's so many guys that can fit into this puzzle for Syracuse. It's going to be interesting to watch. We've talked a lot about football this year, but it's good to get into basketball talk with this Italy trip. I'm I'm excited for basketball, and I think this trip was really good for this team. A young team could go over there, build some chemistry, learn how to play together, get in some reps wearing the Syracuse jersey, especially for those freshmen. And now they should have more confidence for this non-conference play. And this team could be sneaky good. I think expectations is a big thing with Syracuse basketball, and we'll follow them all season long at Orange Fizz. Next up, let's dive back into some football talk. That's what's on the horizon next. That's what all the buzz is about. And camp is going on. We'll get you those camp takeaways from this week, including some more reshuffling of that offensive line. That's up next on Fizz Radio. All right, we're halfway home here on Fizz Radio. Two segments down, two to go. Just wrapped up some basketball talk. If you missed that, go back and listen. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, just search Orange Fizz. You can subscribe, rate, comment, do whatever you'd like. We really appreciate it over at orangefizz.net. Tim Leonard here with you, and I will be with you until 10 a.m. this Saturday morning on the score 1260. Let's dive into some football now because camp is going on, and that's what's really on the horizon. The buzz is building for Liberty Week 1 coming up August 31st, and then, of course, that Clemson game that everyone's circling Week 3. It's crazy to even say it, but that game's less than a month away. It feels like ever since that final kneel in the Camping World Bowl, we've just been waiting for football, and everyone around here has been waiting for it, and finally, it's getting closer and closer. And with camp going on this week, it's that time where we're starting to find out about the depth chart, starting to find out what Dino Babers is thinking. And there's a lot of position battles right now, a lot of competition. Probably most importantly is the offensive line, that group that Dino really highlighted down at the ACC kickoff and the media days down there. He said that's the key to our season, and we're still sort of seeing the competition there. A lot of reshuffling. It seems like every day in camp there has been a different center, a different guard, some sort of combination has been a little different. It does seem like Ryan Alexander's playing well on the exterior, on the edge, and that's big because we did a list, most important players over at orangefizz.net for the season. I think Alexander, we had him at number four. You even make a case that he's higher based on how much concern, I guess concern might not be the right word, but how much focus is on the offensive line right now. That's the unit or everyone is worried that could be our downfall, that could prevent us from getting to another 10-win season, getting to another really strong season, making a run at the ACC, contending with Clemson, all of the above. To me, it's the offensive line. Linebackers is the only other unit you could really think about. But as we've said a bunch on this show, the biggest group to follow right now in camp season, the biggest group to keep your eyes on in the first couple weeks against Liberty, against Maryland, is the offensive line. 
that's the group that could determine the ceiling of this season, more than any other group at least. And the reshuffling this week occurred because Sam Heckles hurt, a guy that many pegged as the center for Syracuse. Obviously, he's kind of played all over the offensive line. So Heckle is hurt right now, which means Aaron Service has been getting a lot of work at center. Now, Aaron Service, it's hard to keep up with all of this, but just to recap where Service is and what he has been in his Syracuse career, he was center last year. Then in the spring, they said, all right, we're going to put him at tackle. He was listed at the tackle spot on the spring depth chart, and then he was brought back to center on the ACC Media Days depth chart, the most recent depth chart we have. And he's played a little bit of tackle at the start of camp, and then Heckle got hurt, and he's playing center now. So it feels like he's one of those veteran guys that they're comfortable putting at center or tackle. But if it's not going to be Heckle at center, they're definitely going to go service, I think. Veterello is the other option, but he kind of struggled early on in camp, fumbling some snaps in the exchanges there. So service is maybe going to be your center week one which means you're probably going to have at least one inexperienced guy on the outside, whether it's Vetterello, whether it's Red. It seems like, like I said, Ryan Alexander is sending off some good vibes and locking up his starting spot. That's the South Alabama grad transfer. So that's the update on the offensive line right now. A couple other injuries of note that have come out during camp. We found out this week, and this is kind of a big one that maybe people don't even know about. We found out McKinley Williams is hurt. And he's out for a good period of time here. So that's a really big loss of the defensive tackle position. Someone who we knew was going to be reliable, and there's not a ton of depth there at defensive tackle. And now that position becomes kind of a concern as well and something to monitor the rest of camp because Josh Black is in the conversation there, and he's probably your best bet to start. Kenneth Ruff is there. There's a lot of guys, that you, names that you've heard of, but they're not – quote-unquote, proven starters. And it's not Chris Slayton that they had last year. And it's easy to forget just how important Chris Slayton was. So we'll see. Josh Black, Kenneth Ruff are kind of your two main guys, but some people are going to have to step up in terms of behind them, and they're going to get more playing time now. With McKinley Williams out, you got to cycle in defensive tackles, and that becomes more of a position of concern. The other injury, in case you missed it, that we found out so far in camp, Ed Hendricks, the wide receiver, is out for an extended period of time again. And that's just tough to see because he's really battled injuries. Highly touted guy, was a four-star coming over to Syracuse. The good news at the wide receiver position, and Sean Riley said this this week to Stephen Bailey, he said there are some sleepers in that group. Some guys that maybe we don't even know about that could make an impact this year. Obviously, there's the Taj Harris's, the Tristan Jackson's of the world, and Tristan Jackson looks really good in camp. He seems to be kind of budding into that number one guy. We'll see. It's just camp, but you got to have high hopes for him. On the other hand, the other transfer, Abdul Adams, maybe isn't quite asserting himself as the number one guy. Mo Neal has been getting a bulk of the carries, so those are the two competitions for the transfers right there. But the wide receiver group, Sean Riley's talking about those sleepers, Probably the biggest sleeper is Courtney Jackson. That's someone who, when he was listed on the depth chart, a true freshman, people were like, whoa, who's this guy? Uh, Probably just means he's going to play a little bit. But he's been getting some run in camp. He's made some one-handed catches, and he's made a lot of impact in camp. So now it becomes interesting because Courtney Jackson's in that conversation in the wide receiver position. Who knows how much he'll play? 
But that's a guy to keep an eye on right now. So that's kind of your camp update at the moment. Offensive line still reshuffling a lot. The good news is Ryan Alexander looks much better, but that Sam Heckle injury has forced service to play a lot of center, and it seems like he will be the center if Heckle's not ready to go week one. And we'll just keep monitoring that offensive line as well as the defensive tackles without McKinley Williams now. And Courtney Jackson, the wide receiver group. There's a lot to digest. I think that running back conversation between Moniel and Abdul Adams is another one. We'll get into that next on Fizz Feedback and a little bit more. Wrapping up the show right after this short break. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We are back with more Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. About eight or nine minutes left in the program here. Tim Leonard here with you, and we will get to your voices now. Time for Fizz Feedback, how we end every single Orange Fizz Radio every week, every Saturday, right here, 9 to 10, on the home of the Central New York sports fan, the Score 1260. This week, we've got three polls on Fizz Feedback. We'll get to all of them right now, starting out with the basketball question as it pertains to Italy. The question is, which player has impressed you the most so far from the Italy games? Option one, Bryson Godine. Option two, Barama Sidibe. Option three, Quincy Garrier. And then four is other. Comment with your answer below. This is one of the closer polls we've had in a while here on Fizz Feedback. It is a logjam between the three names I listed. Bryson Godine has 32% of the vote. Barama Sidibe leads the way, 34% of the vote, and Quincy Garrier has 30% of the vote. So it's Sidibe by just 2% over Gadine and 4% over Garrier, according to voters that voted at Orange Fizz on Twitter. We put these polls out every week. Keep an eye out for them on Thursday, Friday. If you comment on them, we will shout you out right here on the Score 1260. Two comments this week on this question Mitch replied, and he had a good reply here. He said, had an idea what we were going to get out of the two freshmen. Barama looks like a different player. And I agree with him completely. Barama Sidibe is my vote right now for most impressed. Who who impressed me the most out of those three names? Bryson Godine, Barama Sidibe, Quincy Garrier. Really out of any player in Italy so far that has played for Syracuse, Barama Sidibe has impressed me the most. I did not know we were going to get a healthy Barama Sidibe playing the way he has. He really has looked like a completely different player. He's rebounding. He's active. He's even running the fast break a little bit. Now, it's against Italy. It's against a team that he should be beating up on with his size and his strength. But regardless of that, you can just tell, like Mitch said, that he's a different player. He's running much better, and he looks as healthy as he has ever been with Syracuse. And we've kind of been waiting for that, and it's always been there. It's always been something, whether it's been sort of under the table in the back of his mind or definitely at the forefront, but his knees have just never been there. And I've always wondered what could he be like if he's healthy. And I hope that, I hope that we get to see it this year because it looks like he's shown flashes of being a different player. Sidibe is my vote right now, though. Just the way he's played has been the biggest pleasant surprise from what I've seen in these Italy games. The other comment we got, Michael Fallon at RockFallon6 responded and said, In the building, it's Bryson, meaning Bryson Gadine, of course. Gadine has put up numbers. 
He's played 19 minutes in both games. He scored 20 points total. That's the most points out of the three options I listed. Now, points aren't everything, but Quincy Gary here has 19 points total. He's played more minutes. He's done a little bit more outside of just scoring, rebounding, assists. He's been active. Been really impressed with him, too. It's hard to say because all these guys have been impressed with, which I guess is a good thing. And you could even throw a couple more guys into the conversation. Robert Braswell has been impressive. And not really anyone has been not impressive, but that's probably kind of what happens when you play two inferior professional teams in Europe and over in Italy. They should be beating up on them. This should be a confidence boost. This should be a chemistry boost, and I think the team is getting that. So Barama Sidibe leads the vote in that category, 34%. Bryson Godine, 32%. Quincy Garrier, 30%. Other comment answer was 4%. No one commented with anything else, though. So those three guys were the three main guys, and it was very close, but I agree with the 34% leading vote getter, Baram Sidibe. That was my vote as well. Other Fizz feedback question, who will get more carries this year at running back, Abdul Adams or Mo Neal? I was surprised by the responses to this. Right now, Abdul Adams leading the way quite substantially, 64% of the vote, Mo Neal with just 36% of the vote. Now, obviously, Adams is the guy that people are kind of hoping to burst out. We kind of know what we're getting from Mo Neal, although he might take a step up this year. But it does feel like Mo Neal, he's been getting a bulk of the work in camp. He's been getting a lot of time on La Familia, that training camp show, that sort of hard knocks-like show that Syracuse has put out. It feels like he is sort of making a charge right now and holding down the position, holding down the fort there. Abdul Adams hasn't really had that camp outburst like a Tristan Jackson, so I'm not so sure that it's going to be Abdul Adams. Right now, I'd vote Mo Neal. Now, I said Adams earlier in the year, and I do think Adams has a higher ceiling and more potential, and if Adams develops into the player we know he can be, that's better for Syracuse long-term. The goal would be to get Adams having a bulk of the carries because that means that he's playing at a, at a high level. We know Neal is going to play at a relatively high level, so if he is outplaying him and getting more carries, Adams is playing at a very high level. We know what we're getting from Neal, but for Syracuse long-term, you hope that Adams becomes kind of the bell cow because he has more potential and talent, I'd say. Neal is still a very solid player, though, that's maybe even under the radar, and I'm surprised just 36% of the vote there in terms of Who will get more carries this year at running back? Abdul Adams leading the way. Final question this week on Fizz Feedback. Outside of Clemson, what's the toughest game of the season for Syracuse? The four options at Maryland, at FSU, at NC State, and Pitt. Three road games and a home game. The fourth one, Pitt, I think is a notch below. You could even put in at Duke maybe. The other road game's at Louisville. And then you've got, of course, at Liberty, so I don't think those are in the conversation. Duke maybe is a tougher game than Pitt, but I threw in Pitt because they lost to them last year. So those are the four options. Right now, FSU leading the way slightly over NC State, 45% to 40%. After that, the final 15% of the vote goes to Maryland. Pitt has yet to get a vote so far at Orange Fizz on Twitter. So FSU 45%, NC State 40%. I agree with that. Those are the two toughest games. It is pretty close, but for me, I do lean Florida State as well. Just because they have way more talent than NC State. Now, we don't really know what to expect from them, obviously. Willie Taggart, year two, very underwhelming last year, but 
They've got way more talent. We know that. And they also are in a tougher place to play, I'd say. Tallahassee, a place where Syracuse has never won a game. The thing that makes NC State intriguing and why it probably got 40% of the vote here, which is a good amount, just 5% less than Florida State's 45%, is that it's a Thursday night game. Now, it's coming off a bye week for Syracuse, which is big too, but that Thursday night game, it's still a hostile environment. I don't mean to knock that at all. Just when you compare it to Tallahassee and Florida State, it feels a little bit less. Now, Syracuse almost went down and beat Florida State two years ago in Tallahassee, and if they're not playing well and the trains start moving off the track again, that crowd cannot be nearly as big as we know it can be. And Florida State has been known to sort of roll over a little bit, so we'll see how they come out of the gates. That could be a factor. But right now, you'd have to pick Florida State just based on the talent level and just how tough of an environment it is down in Tallahassee. NC State's a tough environment, too. Maryland getting 15% feels right. It is a trap game, and I've been kind of on that all along. It's a sneaky, tough game. But based on what Kendall Coleman and the players said about it, I think they're not going to overlook that. And just from terms of talent, they are a notch below Florida State for sure. So Florida State's the toughest game outside of Clemson, of course, on the schedule. That's what the voters said on Fizz Feedback. And that'll do it for Fizz Feedback in this week's edition of Fizz Radio. Thanks for following along, as always, at Orange Fizz on Twitter and over online at orangefizz.net. We'll see you next week.